The Talk and Golf Network is proudly supported by the Golf Society. Shop designer golf apparel, shoes and accessories from the world's most exclusive and best golf brands. Online at www.thegolfsociety.com.au forward slash talk and golf. I could take out of my life everything except my experiences at St. Andrews, and I still have a rich, full life. But the last tee shot I hit was more like it, that one in the playoff. Against Biden and Ray. That's right. The best thing to win the Masters, you, you will be here forever as long as, as you are still alive, so that's the best thing. I'm very happy. Welcome to episode 37 of the Talking Golf History Podcast. For nearly 100 years, golfers, historians, and golf course architects have talked about the legend of Seth Rayner's lost routing of Cypress Point and how much it might resemble that of Dr. Alistair McKenzie's world-famous course. In golf course architecture circles, it was thought to be Ahab's white whale, or perhaps golf course architecture's holy grail, a futile search that would surely drive a researcher mad. But on our podcast today, we will discuss the discovery of not one, but two pre-McKenzie routing plans for Cypress Point. To truly understand the intrigue behind these discoveries, we must first understand the works of Seth Rayner, the man who was first hired to design a golf course on this amazing property. Seth Rayner was the protege of Charles Blair McDonald, and between them, these two men designed some of the greatest golf courses this country has ever seen. Even today, eight to ten of their golf courses are designed and ranked among the top 100 on most lists. Legendary courses like the National Golf Links of America, Fisher's Island, the redesign of Shinnecock Hills, Chicago Golf Club, Shore Acres, the original Monterey Peninsula Dunes course, Sleepy Hollow, Yeamans Hall, and finally, a course that was heralded by some as the greatest golf course that was ever built, the Lido Club. In the early 1920s, if you had a premium golf site, Seth Rayner was on a very, very short list of architects that you would choose for your golf course design, whereas McKinsey at this time was relatively unknown in the United States. I believe it's fair to say that if Seth Rayner had lived to finalize his design at Cypress Point, it certainly would have been a landmark achievement in his career. I also believe that had Seth Rayner lived to see its completion, his name would be better known outside of the small circle of golf course architecture enthusiasts. Now let's jump into the lost routings of Cypress Point. Today on our show, we have two guests who have been researching the recently rediscovered maps of Cypress Point, Sven Nilsson and Brett Lawrence. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us on the Talking Golf History Podcast. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having me, Connor. Uh, Sven, let's start with you. Um, can you tell our audience a little bit about yourself and how you fell into this odyssey regarding the lost routings of Cypress Point? It's, uh, it's 
It's kind of a long story, but I'll make it short. Um, I was a structured finance attorney and weekend golfer um, and kind of discovered Lynx Golf and started researching more about different places to play. And I stumbled upon a uh, small community of, of people that uh, congregate on a website and just like to talk about golf architecture. And uh, it took me took me a while to get up the courage to jump in and start participating with them. But once I did, it kind of opened up a, a whole new hobby for me. Um, about 10 years ago, I started a project where I wanted to get a database of all of the golf courses built in the U.S. prior to 1940. And that, that project has been ongoing since then. I'm the listing of uh, probably over 7,500 different golf courses. And I've tried to just collect as much information from contemporaneous sources as I can about those courses. Um, the, uh, the, the Rainer routing, I, I kind of stumbled upon when I was searching through old map archives online and, and had been focusing on, on California and Los Angeles region. And I think I just typed in, in one of the map archives, the, the Monterey region, and this map just popped up and it, it was a cool map. I saw the routings immediately and didn't think much of it. And it took a couple of days before I went back and looked at the map before I, I sort of noticed that, uh, there was a, there was a date of 1921 on it, which seemed very early for a Cypress routing which sort of led me to, to start investigating what I was actually looking at. Yeah, that's amazing. And in the, the website was golf, uh, club Atlas, correct? Yes. Yeah. Just want to make sure they get credit for that too. That's an amazing site if you're an architecture enthusiast. Um, Brett, how about you? Uh, can you share the audience a little bit about your background, your interest in Seth Rayner, and how you came upon these recently rediscovered routings? Uh, well, I'm an economic consultant by trade and uh, amateur golfer. I do a lot of uh, local Connecticut uh, golf stuff. I'm part of the CSGA's competitions committee and uh, on the player council. And um, I don't know, several years ago, I got very interested in the architecture. I've, uh, I was looking at um, a local course, Watertown Golf Club, which uh, it had an old routing that was, it was like pre-1930. So I just I wanted to investigate who designed the course because it was one of the unknown courses. And I ended up finding some some articles on from the Taft uh, archives. So I went through the archives and I ended up finding a story about Seth Rayner designing the original nine hole course for Taft School, which was Watertown Golf Club. So with that information, I played at Hotchkiss every once in a while. So I went up to see Jim Kennedy and I gave him the information, and he told me I should get on Golf Club Atlas to uh, discuss this information. So that's kind of how I came upon uh, Seth Rayner and Golf Club Atlas. And then how as about... Far as the yeah, maps, yeah, please, go ahead. Oh, yeah. go ahead. No, 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 I was just going to say the maps, please. Oh, no, I just... It was just... Uh, Sven always posts a lot of interesting stuff online, so... Uh, whenever he posts something, I always like to check it out and see what's going on with it. So uh, we got into a pretty good discussion once uh, once he posted these these maps. I'm I'm actually my work I work a lot with maps, so I always love the routings and 
I've always loved checking out how the writings have changed. You know, that's that's about it for me. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fantastic. Um, let's jump into the the story here. So, uh, let me jump into one of the things that that I've heard a couple times. Uh, there have been some that speculate that Seth Rayner may have never designed a layout at Cypress Point. What evidence has been found that indicates or perhaps proves that Rayner laid out a course at Cypress Point? That's a, that's a good question. It's, um, we know that we know that Mackenzie didn't step foot in the U.S. until early 1926. Yet there are there are magazine and and newspaper articles about the golf course. There are, there are, uh, there are photos. I think you might've shared them Connor on, on your Twitter account. There's a photo showing the location of the 16th green, which dates from 19, uh, December, 1925. And there's an earlier photo from uh, November, 1925 fairway magazine that, uh, shows a, um, the, the location of, uh, I think I have it backwards, actually. The November 1925 shows the location of the 16th hole. December 1925 shows the location of where the tee for the 18th hole was being planned out on the rocks behind where the tee is currently. So with that information, you know, unless this was just Marion Hollins or the other organizers of Cyprus putting a golf tour course together, um, you know, it was it was most likely a different architect, and we know Rayner was on the ground in, at MPCC and had connections with Marion Hollins, and and we uh, we have a bit of evidence that he was uh, working at Cyprus, including a January fourth, nineteen twenty six article that says that he actually laid out the course prior to his death uh, about a month later. Yeah, I have one of those quotes. This is uh, supplied by historian Phil Young that says the layouts on which. They were at work, that's Mr. Rayner and Banks, um, when Mr. Rayner died, were W.K. Vanderbilt's Deepdale course and Cypress Point in California. So there seems to be, I think Phil also included another quote, which said, uh, the new course was planned and partially laid out by Seth Rayner, who died before its completion. So what's your thought there, Brett? We feel pretty comfortable? Yeah, I mean, everything Sven said, I mean, that's, that's pretty much what we have. It's uh, he laid it out. There was, it was noted he. I think they made a list of about twelve courses he was working on in uh, the January fourth, nineteen twenty six article, and it said he had laid out five courses for uh, Del Monte, or I think it was the Del Monte properties. So um, that would have been the two Monterey courses, the Cypress course, and then he had also planned a thirty six hole routing for Del Monte. The old Del Monte links. Yeah, it seems like, to me, there seems to be ample evidence that Seth Rayner uh, routed, laid out a golf course at Cypress Point. Let me ask you this. It's, it's more of the question of when. Um, when do we know about, what do we know about Seth Rayner's travels to California prior to 1926? What kind of documentation do we have of his whereabouts, at least in the state, not necessarily in that area? Do we have anything like that? Yeah, I think Brett's probably better disposed to answer that question. Brett and Anthony have prepared a, a very comprehensive timeline on on Rainer's whereabouts. So, Brett, if what do you have on him in in California? Uh, let's see. We have uh, well, originally he was there in 1918 for the Olympic course, but um, after that he didn't come back till 
I think it was July 1923, we have a mention of Rainer in California, but it doesn't say what he was working on. And then, uh, let's see, is it, I know November 1924 is about the first time they mention uh, the Monterey Dunes Country Club, and they, just about every article puts Charles Blair McDonald's name in there along with uh, Seth Rayner. Which they did quite often, didn't they? Whether he they was there did. or not, sometimes they just put, put the two together no matter what. Pairs for life. Yeah. Well, we know that we know that McDonald didn't travel on those trips. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. And then uh, June, June and July of 1925, he was reported several times and uh, several different articles being in uh, working on the Monterey Peninsula, of course. And then in July 1925, we have a Canadian golfer article which discusses him actively working on the dunes course and finishing up his plans for the shore course. Oh, okay. And nice. I should mention that up until that point, they, they would mention all the courses in Monterey Peninsula, and they would never mention Cyprus. So Cyprus was never mentioned up until June, July, 1925. I mean, it may have been conceived by then, but it certainly wasn't in any publications that I've found. So yeah, to follow up on that, the first the first instance I have of Cyprus being mentioned is an April 1925 Golf Illustrated article uh, talking about Marion Marion Hollands organizing a club at Cypress Point. So oh, I, okay. I, to me, that's pretty clear that that's in reference to Cyprus. There's no reference to an architect, um, right. but that's that's the first time I've, I've first instance I have of someone talking about the origination of Cyprus. So April 1925. Mm-hmm. For that, I had thought September 1925, I think it was September 24th, 1925, there's an article uh, discussing Rainer and Hollands working together, and they actually explained that this, the 16th hole would be a 180-yard carry over the water. They didn't say whether it was par 3, par 4, but... I, I saw that article. Yeah, it's a really good Yeah, that, I think that was might have been on your Twitter account. Too. Yeah. Let, let me ask you this. So the earliest map... The, the one that kind of kicked this off, right? Uh, it, it, it is shrouded in some kind of mystery. Uh, it shows what I might call, I, maybe I, it's unfair to call this, a, a rudimentary routing at Cypress Point. The map is dated 1921, uh, but that doesn't tell us the whole story, does it? What can you tell us about the 1921 map and routing that you found, Sven? Um. Because it's complicated, right? And it's it not is, cut and dry. It's, it's not just, hey, this is 1921, and here it's at. I'll tell you what I what I saw when I first looked at it. I saw a map with the date of 1921 with, with golf course routings on it, including Monterey Peninsula Country Club and Cypress Point, and then a bunch of colorings. And some of the, some of the golf course areas had been – uh, lightly colored in with green to sort of indicate that that's where the courses were. Well, I, I, I was obvious that there were annotations on the map, but what wasn't at first obvious was that the routings themselves of the Monterey Peninsula course courses and the uh, Cypress course had been added as well. And we've actually since found a an original or closer to original version of that 1921 map. It has a couple annotations on it, but it does not have MPCC or Cyprus on it. Same map, though, right? I mean, it's same and, map without the routings. Yes. So they were obviously drawn in at some point. 
And then the next question is, okay, who who put these annotations on this map? And when, who, right? And then when's when, a big one. And the the, the who is pretty le- pretty easily answered. There's a um, archive at uh, at Stanford University that has uh, this image in it, and it's it's very clear that this comes from the Charles H. Cheney uh, collection of papers, and that these were his annotations. And Cheney is a in my mind, in this in this whole process of trying to figure out where this this routing on the 1921 map came from, Cheney is an, an integral integral person. He was a uh, a city planner, land planner, um, probably most famously known for his work in uh, Palos Verdes and a few other cities in in California. He had ties to the Olmsted firm, um, but he was someone that would have would have done this type of work. He would have been in looking at an area that he was going to start working on, he probably would have tried to include as much information as he could on a working map. So my guess is that at some point he, uh, he was looking into work that he was going to be doing either in Monterey or the entire Monterey Peninsula area. And he just started marking what he thought was going to be there or what was already there. So do you think, are you, okay. So do you think, why he may have added it to the map. Are you suggesting that he figured out the routing or? I think the routing was probably provided to him. Gotcha. Gotcha. Let's go two questions then. Um, and and they, they, might, <laughs> they both might be impossible. So I, I think you're right. Cheney seems to be the obvious person who would put that in. Totally agree. Um, the first question is the date. So, likely we're i think are are we all let me just get a, a vote here are we thinking it's likely not 1921 it is definitely not 1921 okay. cheney did not have any involvement with any activities in the monterey area until 1923 at the earliest okay so we've already we're into 1923 and beyond a little bit yes yes so if it, go ahead well, i was going to say you can you can delve into the um Olmsted archives online through the Library of Congress, and there's a they they break down the the various letters and communications between uh, clients and people at the Olmsted firm firm into into different folders, and there's a specific folder that deals with the work that was done in 1923, which was a proposed plan for uh, for the entire Monterey Peninsula area. And it didn't really come to fruition, Brett. That's your understanding as well that. It didn't uh, materialize. I don't think they necessarily got the cooperation of the three different municipalities involved. But uh, there was a, a, a lot of conversation between uh, Frederick Olmsted, Morse, uh, some folks that worked for Morse at the Monterey Peninsula, or, um, yeah, at his company on the Monterey Peninsula, and then also Cheney. There are letters from Cheney. There's a there's a very interesting letter in there. May 1923, where um, someone forwards a, a map that is very similar to this map. It's sort of a sort of just a scaled down version of what we're looking at with the 1921 map. Um, but it it's the the first mention of a map that I've seen in these letters between uh, various parties that would have been working on planning the Monterey area. I'm going to give you four names. Uh, yes. These are going to I'll call them four suspects. Okay, and I want both of you to answer this, and I want to hear a 
I don't, however you want to grade the likelihood of these four people contributing to that first original map. Okay. So first we're going to go Dr. Alistair McKenzie, Seth Rayner, Marion Hollins, Herbert Fowler. Give me the pros and cons, if you will, in that time period, let's say post 1923. I don't know if you want to call it odds or whatever. Give me your thoughts. On just that map. We'll get to the 24 here in a little bit. Uh, Brett, why don't you kick it off? Seth Rayner, Marion Hollins, Dr. Alistair McKenzie, Herbert Fowler. We are only speculating, folks, just so you know. Right. Well, I think it's a little too early for McKenzie. Yeah, I, think, I agree. I think uh, Rayner was certainly in the area, and the map also has Monterey Peninsula Country Club on there, which he designed. So it's. I would say it's likely... It's more likely that it could be Rayner. Um, Fowler, I... He's in the area, I don't, right? I don't know I mean, that's as much thing. about Fowler as yeah. I probably should, but he, I think he was gone by 1922. So, I mean, he could have... I, I don't think it, it was even uh, conceived by then, so I doubt that. And then uh, Marion Hollins, I'm sure... I mean, she was fully capable, I'm sure, of doing a routing. But if you look at the third hole, it goes through three saleable housing lots. Yeah. And knowing her business acumen, I don't think she <laughs> right. would have done that. <laughs> I think, yeah. I'll tell you what, I'll let Sven answer and then and then I'll, I'll, I'll put in some thoughts. Go ahead, Sven. I, I think there's about 0% chance it was Fowler. Okay. He was, he was gone. At, he was gone at this point. Um, he was gone from the United States before Cyprus was even an idea. Okay. Um, I think it's highly likely that it was Rainer. I think it also could be highly likely that it was a combination of, of Rainer working with Hollins and, and incorporating her ideas. She had, she had just gone through this process on the East Coast at Women's National, uh, working with Devereaux Emmett, and I think Charles Blair McDonald was actually involved on that project um, in, in some sort of role, and, and Rainer was definitely involved as well. Um, so they, they knew each other. And it wouldn't surprise me in the least if they walked the ground together, if they if they came up with ideas for problems that presented themselves. Um, but I, I would have I would think that uh, she would have deferred to Rayner as the expert. Sure. In this sure. area. And, and uh, Rayner was also a consultant on Women's National, so they clearly knew each other for, prior to this. Yes. Mackenzie is yes. a is an interesting question. I I. Uh, I really think you have to delve into that map itself and look at, at look at the routing and compare it to the earliest routing that we've seen from McKenzie for Cyprus. So it, it's just too different in my mind to uh, I, I just don't think McKenzie would have changed an initial routing that much. I'm sure it's happened in places, but um, this routing is, is a this 1921 map routing is a little different from what appears in other maps in, in significant ways. And it's, uh, it's clear to me, it, in my mind, it, I really want to be objective on all of this, but it, it looks to me like someone did an initial routing, new architect came in, and the result was what McKenzie did, which is very close to this, this routing that we see on the 21 map. Yeah. But it's not exact. Yeah, I, I I agree with you here. I, I I didn't know where to put my my bets on Herbert Fowler, um, Alistair McKenzie. Like you said, it's so early. I mean, 
we're assuming this map would have been changed in 1926. And if it is, we've got a 1924, 25 map that's completely different. So it seems like in my mind, he's out of the picture. Uh, Marion Hollins, man, I, I tried to do a little bit more research before we started this and it's really hard to pinpoint her location throughout her career. But I'm reading a lot. It seems like she moved to the Cypress Point area. And correct me if you guys know more than this, like 1925, like right before or right at the hiring of Seth Rayner. And I might be wrong, but I looked at a couple different sources and I was trying to dive into newspapers.com to get more detail, but I just couldn't find it in the short period of time I was looking. Well, we know she was there at least in the spring of 25. Uh, I believe in 23, she was still on the on the East coast working on women's national. And I, I tried to find a date when she, she joined Morse's concern and, and became one of his, his uh, pioneers out there at Monterey, as far as the real estate development. Uh, and I haven't been able to find it. And it, I, so my, my time frame for when she showed up there is sometime between probably mid to late 1923 and spring of 25. So if you're looking at the four candidates, Fowler's gone, McKinsey hasn't shown up yet. Marion Hollins, we don't know if she's there by that point. And Seth Rayner, we know he was. Right. I, I Actually, I found an article from 1921 where Marion Hollins was out in Monterey playing in a tournament. And she actually purchased property in 1921. But she hadn't. It was at the, the Amateur tournament, the- tournament out there where she played a local person. Is that correct? I did see that, but I couldn't make the connection. Yeah, I I couldn't tell you exactly what tournament it was, but I do, and I've actually seen on one of these maps, you could see uh, one of the properties is owned by Hollands. I don't know if it's these maps, or I found, there were like plat maps on online, but they didn't really reveal much. But um, yeah, it was just, it was right near Pebble Beach, and she obviously didn't build right away. So, I mean, it might have taken her a few years to come back and actually build, but she invested in the property in 1921. Yeah, I mean, I think you look at this. I mean, we're going to dive into the 1924 map here in a little bit. But I think if you look at the 1921, we're looking at two different maps, folks. I don't know if you're catching it. 21 and 24 that we're going to get into. 1921 seems like a pretty good lock with all the facts and figures and the overlay of the 24 map. So, I mean, even if we're looking at the worst case scenario, we seem to have a pre-Alistair McKenzie map, which... I mean, for most architecture enthusiasts, that should blow your mind. That's a really big deal. For those of you that aren't, I mean, there there was a reason why I called it the holy grail of golf course architecture. We've been talking about this routing for a hundred years. Uh, it is it is like an episode of Indiana Jones without a boulder falling on your head. And I hope that doesn't happen to you gentlemen, by the way, <laughs> Let, let's, let's jump into the 24. So the 1921 map, is quite a bit different than the 1924 version. It, just to my eye, and I didn't do the measurements like I did on the 24, uh, it seemingly has some shorter holes on the inland part of the course, with 14 through 17 bearing a closer resemblance to the 1924 map and even McKinsey's final version of the course that you can play today, or hopefully you can play today. Walk me through through that walk me through the 21 the 21 versus the 24 routing of the map what changes is there is it a little bit more sophisticated walk me through your thoughts well it's it's hard for me to to speak to the sophistication i i haven't seen the course in person 
Um, the 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 key difference is what happens on the east side of the property. Yeah, it's a lot. Where, yeah, right. The nineteen twenty one map has a has a fifth hole that almost goes directly north, and then a sixth hole, and they both look like par fours just by the the length of the holes on the map, um, and a sixth hole that goes directly east. Whereas uh, what we know Mackenzie did out there was was run a a longer hole, kind of from where the from the T on the nineteen twenty one map fifth hole to almost close to the green of the sixth hole on that map. So it was a hole that ran more in the northeasterly direction as opposed to due north and then another hole going, going due, uh, due east. Um, and there's, there's some small differences after that. Six is, the, the sixth hole is a, a completely different hole. Seven is, uh, is marked a little bit closer. It's, it's almost like the whole course is slightly shif- shifted to the south on the 1921 map. In yes, that, that yes, area. I know exactly what we're talking about. Um, so but from that stretch, from, from 5 to 12 or so, there are, there are pretty significant differences in the whole lengths, um, how they run. Um, and, and what we see on the 1921 map, there are a couple different variations out there as to what Mackenzie was doing. There's some changes in in the six seven eight area, um, specifically I think six and seven. One the fir- in one version six being a par three, and then the next version seven being the par three. Um, so we know that that some things changed while Mackenzie was working on the course, but these differences are are completely different. This is uh, these these are much more massive changes. And, and there's, there's nothing out there that we've seen of what McKenzie was thinking that looks anything like what is on the 21 map. Yeah. Brett, you've seen a lot of Rainer's work. Um, have you looked at any, or are there any um, first renditions of, of routings that he's done and then he did something completely different on a, on a different routing. Do we have anything like that out there? I mean, this is unique because it's not a, a true blueprint for a golf course. Right. We're looking at two maps that clearly used um, a routing data from somebody, from an architect through Morse, whoever. But mm-hmm. are there any examples of that that we know of in the in, in history? Um, I can't, I mean, like, why would those maps I exist? Of, I can't think of a Rainer one. I could think of Banks. I know Banks did one for Annapolis Roads. And then, I mean, because a lot of the Olmstead jobs, they had to sometimes shift their property. If, like, I, I remember Annapolis Roads, they wanted more houses along the water, and banks pretty much put everything on the water. So he had to kind of move everything to the east. Man, know? I thought that only happened in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been going on all the time. So, yeah, it makes sense, right? I mean, I suppose if you know you're not going to use a certain routing, you just destroy that blueprint. I mean, if it gets blown up, it means it's nothing. I mean, they weren't, they were very practical people. They just, why do we need this old routing? You just toss it. It just happened to be captured, perhaps, on this map of Monterey. Well, Connor, I think you you touch on an interesting point. Um, On that 1921 map, the golf course is, is laid out, but there are also sort of, as 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 uh, Brett was talking about earlier, there are housing plots. Yes, drawn in. Um, so, 
it is clear. It's clear to me that someone wanted to know where the golf course was going to be, so they could start figuring out how the housing plots would work. That makes a lot of sense. Exactly. Right? Yeah. I, I mean, that's that's the difference to me. On the twenty-one map, you there's no boundaries, you know, for Cyprus, and then by twenty-four, you have a very finite boundary, and even in nineteen twenty-four, you have the subdivision that's north of the course, which isn't on the nineteen twenty-one map. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, let's let's jump into 1924 map a little bit more. So at least to me, it's it's very fascinating due to the timeline um, and and really the resemblance to what exists today. The fact is, there's ample evidence that McKinsey used some of this routing, whether it was his own, whether it was Rainer's. Some of this exists in the current layout of Cypress Point. What can you tell us about the 1924 map? What do we know? Um, well, we know it has a date on it. It actually has maybe two. It actually, it's, it has two dates on it. Yeah. I, uh, the map itself, um, whatever was printed, is dated 1924, and it is it is the same map maker as the 1921 map. So whether he started with the 1921 map and this was an update or a whole new, just a whole new um, map produced for 1924, we don't know. Uh, but that 1924 date does give it a good bit of specificity. Um, what we don't know is if the routing on there was an annotation or was original to the map. This is one that, that I have not found an original version of. I'd love to see an original version of this 1924 map. And it, there's a good chance, and there's some differences in, in, uh, in the way the routings are drawn between different courses on the 1924 map that suggests that this, this might have been an annotated map as well. Do you agree with that, Brett? Yes. Yes, I do. So, Brett, I'm, you said you, you study maps quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. that, that was one of the questions I have. So just below the November 1924 date, uh, it's, it's literally 9-30-25. Right. In your experience, I mean, have you seen this? What does it mean? Is it is it a date of a revision? Uh, what what can we take of that nine thirty twenty five series of numbers? Well, I mean, at first look, I would say it does certainly look like a date. But um, I mean, like Sven said, if they're adding stuff to a map, it's you don't know if they added stuff after nine thirty twenty five. You know, I mean, so it's it's really hard to date any map that has had any kind of changes made to them, which is really the issue we're we're running into here. I mean, if you look on the twenty four map, you can see the acreage is actually handwritten in there, like one hundred thirty six point whatever acres, thirty three acres on the where sixteen, seventeen, eighteen are. You know, so there's there's definitely handwriting on here, but it's. And I, and I think these guys were very capable of just blanking out a certain area and they could just relay another routing right on top of that. We, you know, so it's, I mean, it's, it's hard to tell. It is right. I mean, it's, it's a question of, is this the nine thirty twenty five? Is this an updated version of this map that happens to include the course? Perhaps we don't know until we see a originally published November 1924 map that doesn't have the 93025 at the bottom to see what mm-hmm. exists on that map. Is that right. fair? I, I think it's 
I think we could probably assume that in, in November 24, they didn't have this routing in place. That would make sense. I mean, right. assuming it's Seth Rayner, for sure. I, I, well, right. no matter who it is, right? It's, it seems they wouldn't have this. Right. right. My, my read of the, of the 24 map is that it, it could be Rayner. It could be McKenzie. Um, I don't think that 930 date on the map applies to when the course was drawn on there. It just, it just the, the differences between this routing and the 21 routing look to be like someone else came in, which suggests that this shows what McKenzie was thinking. Interesting. And we know McKenzie wasn't there in 25. Interesting. And, and I suppose there's some, there's some evidence of that as well. Uh, there is a map. Uh, Sven, I think you brought this up to me. The map of McKenzie's drawing of the course that had, that had, was a little bit more illustrated. Yes. I, I think I forwarded that to you. I, I believe that map comes from the inside cover of uh, one of the McKenzie books. And I'm not exactly sure. And we should probably uh, make sure we get the right one somehow. If we ever put this up on, on your site, put the image up on your site, just so that we're fixing it correctly. Um, but my understanding is uh that that is a uh, that represents Mackenzie's earliest routing for Cyprus. I don't know if that map is original or if it's a, a latter day reproduction in Mackenzie's style. I I'm not sure. I don't. I just don't have the information to uh, to verify that. Um, and I I don't know where you know if it if it is a latter day uh, representation. I'm not sure where that routing comes from because it it is not the routing that was built. No, you're right. Uh, actually, I'll go through some of the changes here. Uh, this is uh, the point is that the 1924 map, whenever it was dated, is not exact copy of the course that's there today. Uh, right. Holes one through four are nearly identical. That's, I mean, right off the bat, you're feeling like you're playing the McKinsey course that's there today. Hole number five is where you see the first change. Uh, in hole number five in the 1924 map, it's a short par three. I think roughly 130 some yards. Uh, it's a par five today. So par five in the final design hole number six in 1924. It's a par four versus the back to back par five we have in McKinsey's now eight to 11 in the 1924 map are almost identical with what we have today, but hole number 12, it's a shorter version of a par four than what showed up in the routing 13 becomes a par three in the 1924 map, but the green site is re- remains the same for the the 13th hole at Cypress Point. 14 is nearly identical. 15 is very close, but to me it appears that the green site is moved a little bit more inland and away from the water where we have the par 3 that hangs on the cliff today. And then I think 16 to me is fascinating and I don't know, to me if there were ever a time that I was going to think it feels more Seth Rayner to me, I'm just a feeling versus a known is there are two options on that 24 routing. One of them is roughly a 350, 360 yard par four that resembles only resembles folks, the Cape from national golf links of America. You have a water carry short water carry to the left. And then you have a green site that has a fall off Cape right off into the Bay. And then the other option is the hole we essentially have today which is a par three over the water, 180 yards carry, 220 yards in the middle of the green. And to me, just me, if 
by this routing, and maybe this is why, McK- if it is a McKinsey and why there's so many changes thereafter, is if he goes with Marion Hollins's idea of the carry, uh, which has been brought up, um, he'll have five, or yeah, he'll have five par threes on the course, not the traditional four. And so I don't know, maybe it's the romantic in me. I'm seeing Seth Rayner basically making this argument for making it a cape hole by making sure that there's four additional par threes on the course, <laughs> just saying, you know, I don't know. It's gotta be a Cape. We already have four par threes that are amazing. Um, well, it's then, a, it's yeah. a, it's an interesting and, and, and sort of timely point because there's, there's a bit of a movement right now to try to get away from the traditional 36, 36, Absolutely. R72, uh, four par threes and, and four par fives. Let me ask Brad a real question. Do we know, do you, can you think of any courses that were designed by Seth Rayner or Charles Blair McDonald that had five par threes? Uh, St. Louis. There you go. St. Louis Country Club. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't think of a whole lot of them, but yeah. that's that's one that jumps to my mind. Well, that's good. There's at least one version of it, right? <laughs> yeah. Their, their fifth hole was the crater, I believe it was called. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I love it. But, but Connor, I think, I think back... At the time Cypress was being built, architects were a little more free in their latitude to to stray away from what, what you you mentioned as traditional. And I think a lot of people think that that traditional idea came into play uh, after World War II. The golf was the golf courses were were much more standardized in what we call the Dark Ages. And back in the back in the, the Golden Ages, the Roaring Twenties, um, architects were you know kind of more, you know, it was harder to move land then. It was harder to. Uh, they were starting to figure out how to how to use machinery, but um, you really had to work with with what the land gave you. Then it was more about finding the golf holes, and some sites just didn't fit a four par three, four par five setup. Yeah, I love that. It's it's very well put. Um, going back to the course, uh, hole seventeen is a little bit shorter than it is today. Uh, the current green is a little bit further away and closer to the cliff that I can tell. And then the 18th, you got to love this. I, I know both of you do. It has the tee box off on the island out in the bay, which was a dream of McKenzie. Now, we don't, if it's Rainer McKenzie, we don't know. I don't, maybe that's a tell that it's a McKenzie. I don't know. We're pretty sure it's Rainer. Yeah, are you? Is there, the, the, well, there is an image of a stake out on a rock. And the um, the text that that accompanies that image, and the image is from late 1925, which is the Rainer time period before before Mackenzie comes to the U.S. Um, and it clearly shows that they're discussing putting a tee box out on the rocks for 18 at Cyprus. Fantastic! So you basically you have um, the the tee box out on the rocks for 18, and right. then you also have the green site. There's an article right 1925 for the 16th green. Is that fair? Correct. Also in 1925. Yes. Yep. Yeah. It's just. I mean, it's a fascinating argument of of what is. What are we looking at? I, I just. To me, that's intriguing. I think 21 stands out. I think no matter what, you're looking at it, and you're like, this isn't a McKinsey. The question is 1924. What are we looking at? Right. Um, we we all all three of us recently reviewed the blueprints, which I I, I thought this was a fascinating twist to that 1924 map. So we have the blueprints of the 1924 Cypress routing. They're in fact, just the designated area around the course. Now this is unique folks, because 
1921 map and the 1924 map, just so we're not confusing you, they are maps of the Monterey area that just happen to include the routing for Cypress Point. This, however, is a blueprint. Yes, it shows the home sites or the real estate around it, but it's very specific to the golf course. It's very specific to that. That's a blueprint of the golf course and the land around it. And on that map, unlike the, the routings, uh, the maps that we've seen, um, each green is marked with triangle-shaped flags. I would love to know your two, both of your thoughts on those blueprints. What do we take away from this find? Because I think it's important if we're going to solve this mystery. Brett, why don't you go first? Well, I mean, the first obvious thing I see is is the subdivision north of the golf course, which isn't on the, it's not on the 1921 map. It is on the 1924 map, but um, I mean, that's something that it's, I haven't, I don't know when that was exactly built or planned. You know, I would think that would help maybe date some of these things is when you can find the specific date of when that subdivision was planned, you know, but um and, and to follow up on that, Connor, Brett has spent a lot of time combing through the, the Olmstead archives, whatever other uh, resources we can, we can find. Um, and we, we really haven't come up with any letters that, that identify when certain aspects on all of these maps were built. I mean, this is very much a maze. And we, we, we think that a lot of these answers are out there, uh, maybe in, in Morse's papers at uh, Stanford University or um, – other archives that are probably are more Cheney papers that are accessible as well. Um, it's just that neither one of us, Brett, Brett raises two young kids and, and I carry golf bags for a living. Not, neither one of us has the freedom to just jump up and run down to the Bancroft library and uh, check out what uh, F.B. Morse was up to in 1924. Yeah. I, I'll say this though. I mean, I think not that anything's really a smoking gun here, but the fact that there's a standalone blueprint of specifically that area, I would, I would hope that it's a lot easier to track down the timing of that specific routing, that map, than it would be to put a timeline on that 1924 map that we have. Like well, we, we, do know, yeah, we do know that this map came out of the Morse collection, and it was found by someone who wasn't looking for Rainer information. They were focusing on something else, stumbled across this and, and pulled it out. Um, but our understanding is that there, there are letters that accompany this that, that just haven't been delved into. Uh, perhaps they have and perhaps they don't reveal anything, but it seems like there's a, a treasure trove. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of people have poured through those letters, but they haven't poured through them probably looking for connections to Cypress Point. If they've, they've poured through them for other reasons. Um, so, it's just kind of drawing the dots on this connected dots with these maps that just have clues all over them um, with with answers out there. We just yeah. haven't found them yet. There, there, I think there's so many clues. There's so many hints, but we, we're still looking for that smoking gun, right? Yes. Um, Brett, let, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say that's that's absolutely correct. Yeah. I mean, you kind of need some kind of correspondence in order to date what maps you're looking at. I mean, for for example, the 1921 map, someone tells us that Charles H. Cheney, uh, he drew it, but we don't know where that information comes from. I mean, there could be a letter that explains exactly what's on that map. So, I mean, just, 
just trying to find a letter or, you know, that's why he mentioned that Charles, Charles Cheney also has uh, files in the Bancroft library. So and, that and they, would probably be a good site to go to. <laughs> but Connor, to, to get to your point, this, this blueprint is very interesting because it looks like what it was, what was used to put the Cypress routing on the 1924 yeah. map. When we were talking, I, I think I matched up the lettering of yes. Cypress Point Golf Links. I think that's what it says in the printing. And it literally matches up identical to that 1924 map. So at least we have source material. It's just, when was that damn map made? Right. <laughs> you, right. know, you track that down and you've got an answer. Can it be tracked down? I suppose the question. But then it raises the question for the 1921 map. Did Cheney use a similar routing plan? Sure. Was yeah. Is there him? another map out or, there? Yeah. Right. Is there another one? Or was he just kind of going off of information that was relayed to him? They gave him a general area and kind of vaguely described the holes, uh, which could be the case, which, which in that case um, would come down to when he made those annotations. Hey, Brett, let me ask you this. And, and again, this is going to be circumstantial at best, probably not at worst. It's probably something worse. But um, are there any clues within this blueprint that give us any indication one way or the other? Seth Rayner, McDonald, and you know, do you does it swing your vote either way? And maybe it doesn't. I'm just curious. Uh, personally, it doesn't really. Uh, it doesn't really convince me one way or the other. I mean. I, I've seen some Rainer layouts where he's used the, you know, the triangular flag. And, but I mean, if you look on that, uh, McKenzie's initial routing there, he's got a huge one right in the middle. So, I mean, I, I, I think in order to draw a flag on, on a piece of paper, you kind of have to make it triangular for them to realize that it's a flag and not just something else. A teen area or something so, like that. We can go back to right. Pre nineteen hundred rules, but I mean there are there are examples of Rayner even doing stick routings where he used the flag, you know. But there's also many other ones where he used squares or circles, or and you don't even know. We don't even necessarily know if that's Rayner's hand in some of them, you know. Yeah, it's I, I, I like I said, it's just it's one of these great. In, it's intriguing to me. Uh, let me ask you both a bold question. I want you to answer separately here. So Phil Young, the historian at San Francisco Golf Club, believes that there's sufficient evidence that the 1924 routing, the 1924 map, is the work of Seth Rayner. My question to you each individually, maybe it's in your heart of hearts. We have no hard proof here. Do you believe the 1924 map is Seth Rayner's routing of Cypress Point? Uh, I'll go with you, Sven. Why don't you go ahead first? Oh, I'd love to believe it. Uh, that's not an answer (laughs) you suck at answering questions man that's not an answer this this is the lawyer in me coming out connor (laughs) um you know the the one that's interesting to me is the 1921 map um the 1924 map i am i am less convinced if i was to put a percentage on them i'd say the 21 map is more likely rayner and the 24 map is more likely mckenzie um but that's that's my gut on those. Just just on the evolution of the routing and the changes, um, I I think I think Rainer could have been completely capable of putting this 1924 routing together. Uh, especially, 
we know that they were talking about 16 being played as a par three or a short par four. So that is indicated on this map and the multiple lines of play, the direct route, the layup line. Um, th these are things that Rayner talked about. So there are clues there that this absolutely could have been Seth Rayner. But it also could be a carryover. I mean, those could be those could be aspects of that hole that McKenzie inherited when he took over the sure, project. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he takes it over one month after Rainer's death and do you right. reinvent the wheel is the real question. Right. Right. I mean, it, let's face yep. it. If Rainer designs this, it's a completely different course than what it is today. I mean, it has template holes it has different style of bunkerings based on how Rainer, you know, bunkered holes. It is, it's a different look, different course, different feel, probably Built equally as great. Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, Absolutely. And probably, probably would have been a little bit more engineered. I mean, Rainer, Rainer and McDonald and, and Banks and, and Brett can speak to this better than I can. But um, they, you know, they walked the ground and, and found the best spots for those holes that they wanted to build. The holes modeled after the famous holes in, in uh, Great Britain and Europe. Um, but a lot of times they had to they had to make them work. So they weren't afraid to move, to move Earth to, to do that. They needed to to build a bank for Redan. They were going to do it. Mackenzie Mackenzie was a had a very different style, and Mackenzie's um, courses look much more like they've been found, whereas whereas Rainer's look like they've been built. Yeah, um, you know, I think you know, and I'll get to you here, Brad, on your answer to this. But I, I think that's one of the the beauties that I think is overlooked. In golf course architecture today, today where everything is about minimalism and you know using you know, using the ground exactly as it is, and we don't want to touch that. That green site has to be you know pre-built for you. The beauty of the golden age is you had both. I think that gets lost today because I think we want minimalism so much because we believe that's what the golden age taught us. But if you look at the works of Charles Blair McDonald and Seth Rayner, originally kicked off our golden age here in the United States anyway. It was, yes, we, we use the land, but we're also using it to our advantage and moving things to create maybe a better hole. Brett, what are your thoughts on that? And then I'll ask you the same question. Oh, I mean, I agree. I, whenever I go to see architecture, I like to see what the architect built, you know? So I'm probably not as much of a fan of minimalism as others are, but, um, you're a Rainer guy. We get it. I'm a Rainer guy. <laughs> I mean, I, I like everything built up. And <laughs> I do love. I, I love both. I, that's the thing is, I, I'm an equal opportunist. I like to have diversity, I suppose, in my golfing life, and so yeah. I do enjoy McKenzie and I love Rainer. I love them both, and McDonald. They're amazing. Exactly. Right. Um, I mean, I love so many different architects' works. Yeah. Right? So all right. Just, so you have to answer the question now. Yep. So, what do you believe? Do you believe this is Seth Rayner's routing of Cypress Point? We're going to go 1921, 1924. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm kind of in the same boat as Sven. I think 1921 is the more likely candidate, only because, I mean, once I've seen McKenzie's initial routing, it looks a lot like that 1924 routing. So it's it's hard for me to get that out of my head that, that it's Seth Rayner's, you know. I mean, it could be Seth Rayner's, I suppose, but it's just already seeing McKenzie's on the paper and it looks so similar. It's just, it's hard for me to fathom that because we know McKenzie did it. We know Rainer did a routing and there is a different routing. So to say that that's his routing and McKenzie took it is, I, 
I'm not ready to go there. Yeah, I keep going back to that quote that the new course was planned and partially laid out by Seth Rayner, who died before its completion. And he's talking about, essentially, we don't know. I mean, that's ultimately where we're at, right? We don't know. This very well could be... uh, You know what's amazing about the 1924 map? I guess the takeaway here is, if it's McKenzie, it is a beautiful glimpse into his thought process of getting through a golf course and redesigning it in time, right? We know that it's not 1920, this 1924 map, if it's McKinsey, it's not the final, you know, product. So perhaps we can get an idea of what he was thinking through as he was finalizing this beautiful, amazing design. On the other hand, um, if it is Rainer, I think there's an argument to be said that Rainer's routing, if that was his final routing, was a strong one, and that McKinsey basically said, let's not rewrite the wheel, let's just McKinsey it, if you will. Well, they'd also define the corridor, the, not the whole corridors themselves, but they had a pretty, pretty narrow east to west patch of land to work through. I mean, they, they knew where they were going to build houses, and, and when McKinsey comes in, he's, he's giving, given a a plot of land where you can run, you know, three to four holes side by side in some places, but certainly not throughout the length of it. And it was, you know, it was clear that it was going to, it was going to end out there on, on the rocks. So that, that much was pretty much set in stone when McKenzie showed up. What do we need to prove these things? Like wh- what evidence do we need? What's, what is the smoking gun that says, the 1921 map is A, and the 1924 map is B. What What are we missing? What are the next steps in the research? What do we have to do to find those answers? I'll give you my thoughts. I, I would love to find a, a letter um, or any kind of correspondence to or from Cheney where they either talk about details on that 1921 map which date when he was thinking about those and, and when he would have put them down on paper or actually saying, I am conveying to you a map and discussing something that's, that's on that map, whether it's I've, I've plotted out the golf courses from the map given to me by Marion Hollins for what they're thinking right now or something along those lines. Um, that would be, to me, that would be telltale evidence of the date of the map. What about you, Brett? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of in the same boat. I think finding finding some kind of correspondence with Cheney. I mean, there was, like Sven had said earlier, there's the Monterey Regional uh, regional Plan, which only had uh, letters from 1923. But I think that's where the Olmsteads basically ended um, their job. So I'm not sure if they didn't continue with it because we see this map. So it makes me think that, these large landowners and the, the different municipalities might have actually gotten together because somehow Cheney got all this information into one map. Or, so or Cheney I'd had like to find some kind of correspondence from 24, 25 that perhaps maybe he was in the area. I mean, I've looked as much as I can to just see when he was even in Monterey or Monterey. And it's just, I just can't find anything. I mean, I like you can find them in, Riverside, you can find them in Berkeley. You can find them yeah. in uh, well, larger populations, areas. too, right? I mean, to be fair. 
What's that? And larger populations, newspapers, yeah. etc. I mean, it's easy to get lost right. in the shuffle even today in Monterey sometimes. Right. Absolutely. It's uh, it's entirely possible that Cheney did these annotations without visiting Monterey. That uh, he was forwarded, he was forwarded this map to sort of start getting his thoughts down, or just to get himself acclimated with the area, and they they kind of sent him uh, sent him whatever routings were in existence for the golf courses. And he added, he added them from those. Um, you know, this could have been just a working map in preparation for a job that, that never happened. Well, as we sum up, let me, let me just sum up the mood here. So is it fair to say both of you feel like the 1921 map gives us the best opportunity to say, this is Seth Rayner's layout of Cypress point and 1924 is a little bit more unknown. What do we think? I, I would say yes. And I mean, the biggest thing I see, the, di- the biggest difference I see is that subdivision north of Cypress Point. Absolutely. But obviously, at that point, when they were, even when he was making his annotations, they, he didn't include that subdivision. So that, that tells me the 24, because basically they could have used the 21 map even later than 24 or even the 24 map because the 24 map only included Pebble Beach and Cypress Point. So the 21 map was actually a, a regional map of the entire peninsula. But I still think it predates that 24, even with the annotations. It would make sense, right? It really would. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I, I think the 21 map was most likely done before the 24 map was even, was, uh, was annotated. Well, they're done by the same people too, right? Yes. In the map. Yes. So it doesn't make well, a lot we're of talking, sense that you'd have a massive overlap. Well, it's, that's the distinction. We're talking about the annotations. We're talking about trying to find out when things were added to these printed maps. And um, that's, you know, that was my initial confusion, confusion looking at a, a map that was dated 1921. And there's a, yeah, I get that. Point. How does this happen? Right. Uh, and I think I said to you the other day, Connor, when we chatted briefly before this, um, you know, welcome to the rabbit hole. This is this is just <laughs> I one live big... I live in the rabbit hole, folks. This is this entire <laughs> show is a rabbit hole. <laughs> I should call it the rabbit hole. That's the problem. Talking golf history should be the rabbit hole. But it's it's amazing. So uh, before we finish, and I'll you know uh, we can let go here. But what are your takeaways here? I mean. Uh, both of you have put a lot of time into the the research behind these two maps. A lot of you have spent you've spent countless hours, I'm sure. I'll, I'll start just in a row here, Sven. I mean, like, what do these two maps mean to you? Like, how much time have you put in there? What are your takeaways? How excited does it make you? You know, where are you today on this? I guess the first answer is um, I spent a lot of time. After I first found these, when when Brett and um, Nigel Islam and a few other folks were, were really kind of trying to figure out what we were what we were looking at, um, and then I moved on to other things, um, and it's it's popped up from time to time. And um, when I saw that that Sean Telly was going to be talking on your podcast, I, I wanted to put it in front of him and see what he thought. I, I literally I, think he just stopped talking on the podcast like two minutes ago. <laughs> we have four and a half hours. Sean, yeah. Tully, you're out there. You're listening. <laughs> um, I, I would love to say that this is, uh, you know, 
an amazing, fantastic find, the holy grail of, of uh, golf architecture nerddom. Um, but it could also be that what we're looking at are annotations on, on two different maps that were made after Mackenzie had started working there. All the clues say to me that at least one of these maps was pre-McKenzie. And I, I, would, I would love for be, that to be the case because um, I don't think we'll learn much as to how Rayner and McKenzie routed golf courses. Um, but I think there are little clues in there. And, and, and you start to look at what McKenzie actually did as compared to what Rayner might have been thinking, assuming that that is a Rayner routing. Sure. Um, and you can, you can really, you, I mean, you could have a series of podcasts talking about specific holes out there and why they're different from what Rayner was doing and how the land works in those locations. Oh, yeah, um, that would be great. Absolutely. I, I was thinking to myself, you know, how do, you know, how do you think about the difference between what Rayner would have done and what McKenzie would have done. And is there really any value in thinking about that difference? Because I, I'm sure if I'm sure if McKenzie had been given the location of Fisher's Island, we would talk about it as one of the best courses in the country, just like we talk about Rainer's Fisher Island. They were just both masters. And it's I, I, if anything, the, the takeaway to me is um, it was just so fortuitous that Rainer dies and Mackenzie shows up in the United States, and it, it happened, you know, almost overnight. And it was, I mean, imagine if we if we were talking about Mackenzie delaying his arrival for a year, and George Thomas comes up and does Cyprus, or Max Baer does Cyprus, or Robert Hunter by himself does Cyprus. These are, I mean, these or banks, in, in, in all of or banks. I mean, Charles yeah. Banks right there. Yeah. I mean. If Banks actually, because one of the articles does talk about Banks, if Cyprus was a course that Banks was going to complete after his death. Um, I don't know if that was the newspaperman just sort of listing Rainer's current projects and that Banks was going to complete them all or it actually been discussed. But, um, you know, it's, it's a thought as well. What do you think, Brett? What's your, what's your takeaway? How is this, you know, how, you, you've, you've done a deep dive in this. What's your takeaway <laughs> as, a, as a Rainer guy? As a Rainer guy, I mean, it's it's a really cool find for, for us, you know. I mean, I've been putting together a timeline with Anthony Piapi and Nigel Islam, and we've been just looking for all the information we can find. And Cyprus was always one of those that we have very little information on. We found, we found a lot of it really in the last couple of years. But uh, just to see a map that might possibly be his routing is, is pretty neat. And then, you know, to see how Mackenzie rerouted it, and then to see the the final, uh, the completed course is, you know, one of the best in the country. So it seems like all these people working together might have made it really spectacular. Yeah, you know the other the other the other rabbit hole is uh, are, are in the notes that we both where all three of us looked at about potentially the original routing for Rainer at Cypress Point being somewhere in the state of Colorado. Did you see so that in, in Phil's in Phil's notes? Yeah, that that's uh that's a that's a story that I've I've heard for a while now that that uh, people 
Never firsthand. It's always right. someone told me that someone showed them <laughs> yeah. Rainers lost routing, routing, and it's in a, you know, it's in a, a ski lodge in Aspen or you know some some sort of story Hold on, like I'm, that. I'm getting um, in my car to go to Aspen. Hold on, guys. I don't, you know, it's, it's, um, it's hard. It's almost hard to believe, right? It's like almost a hundred years and this thing's hanging up on somebody's wall or in a lodge. I just, I don't know. Hopefully it is. And we, we discover this thing, but it also seems like if it's in a private collection, which is entirely possible, there are crazy things in private collections that I've seen with my own eyes that you would never believe existed out there. But at the same time that this map could be hanging on somebody's wall and everyone who ever saw it never said a word about it. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, eventually someone sees Santa Claus or they don't. Well, I've heard the same story about the original claret jug. It, oh, we, yeah, it, there you go. It, it, it currently resides somewhere in Chicago. I was thinking the Florida one that... on my desk, but whatever. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> don't put it past me, gentlemen. Connor, to, to just follow up on... Um, you know how we prove this? Yeah, um, a lot of my time is is spent digging through newspaper archives and magazine archives, and to the point where I think I've been accused of being a, a, a cut and paste historian. So much of my focus is in those areas, um, and a lot of people don't trust the old newspapers. But I found that the more information you have, it's it's much easier to tell the whole story. And these days, especially the last like five, 10 years, the amount of information out there that is being made available to anyone oh, so true. over the internet is amazing. I mean, Just, this map, the, both these maps can yes, be found absolutely. on the internet. It's unbelievable. I mean, if we, don't, if, if we don't have websites like these right now, in the last 10 years, Sven, you don't, you don't see that map. Right. And so, so Connor, my hope is that we, we've put this out there and and you certainly have have uh, spread the word about this and shared the images. My hope is that someone picks up on something that we don't see. Yeah. And they they discover that one clue and they have seen something previously or they know where to look for something and something jumps out. So this is almost like a charge to everyone listening to this like go look at these pictures, go look at these maps. If you like this stuff as as much as as the three of us do, Help us out. We would love to see what anyone finds. I mean, if you just think of it, we were just having a simple conversation, you and me, Sven. And mm-hmm. I just said, look at Cypress Point golf links. It's exactly the same that's on the map. It was just right. like in conversation. And right. then we kind of looked over and like, oh, damn, that's that's the blueprint for what went in the map in 1924. And, and right. somebody, uh, as many eyes as you can get on these things, it's important. I agree 100% because someone else is going to pick up something totally different. And they're going to see Seth Rayner's signature on there somewhere. And we'll know for a fact. (laughs) Well, listen, gentlemen, uh, thank you so much for taking the time, uh, especially for you to dive into the research and your findings. I, for one, have found it completely exhilarating. Um, Perhaps the next time we come on, we will have more findings that break the case, that prove that it's Seth Rayner's lost routing. And then we can try to reconstruct his template holes. And we'll go hole by hole, <laughs> short hole, you know, you know, all those things. Um, but no, thank you so much for coming on the show. It really means a lot to me. And like I said, th- I love this. This is literally what I live for. Well, Connor, thank well, you for, for having your, us. Yeah, thanks for having us. And, and thanks for your enthusiasm. It's, uh, 
you know, my, my wife has said, uh, you know, I, I have all these friends out there on, on the internet that I've never met before yeah. that I talk about this stuff with. Um, and it's, it's amazing how passionate people are about their interests and, uh, it's great to share it. Yeah. My, my friends have, have grown a tenfold. It's unbelievable. My wife's like, who are you talking to now? And I'm like, Sven. And she's like, what? Who? You know, like, hey, sorry, golf. And then she just shrugs. Right. <laughs> well, folks, you know, this episode is the reason why I started the Society of Golf Historians and the Talking Golf History podcast. Sven and Brett made this discovery over a year ago, but outside of some very small circles on Golf Club Atlas, how many of you have heard about it? Whether this routing or either routing proves to be the work of Seth Rayner or Herbert Fowler or Marion Hollins or McKinsey, there is genius at foot, and we are here to celebrate that history. Now, to all the people out there on the front lines in this fight against coronavirus, I just want to give you a shout out. Shout out. Doctors, nurses, grocery store clerks, food service employees, sanitation employees, and the folks that deliver our mail. Thank you all for keeping us connected to the world that we long to return to. Thank you for your hard work and the sacrifice you put forward. Please stay healthy. Yours in golf history, this is Connor T. Lewis. <laughs>